0: House of the Lord, isn't it? We're just so honored that you have chosen to come and worship at the Lord's house today. And what a blessing it has to have you. We're so glad to have Brother Thomas and Yvonne with us today, Terry's brother and sister in law. We're so glad y'all are here. We welcome you this morning. And it's good to see you. I see uh, Mike and Alicia back there. Good to see you guys. We've missed you and other people in some of these bright lights. I can't hardly see you. If you're here, say amen. All right, all right. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord. Well, there's a man that had a heart attack, and they took him to the hospital, and the doctor said, you need a heart transplant. About that time, another doctor ran in, and said, hey, you're in luck. We have two donors, a social worker and an attorney. He said, I'll take the attorney's heart. And the doctor said, wait a minute, don't you want to hear more? He said, no. We all know that social workers have a bleeding heart. And the attorney probably never used his. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, no. There's a, there's a lot of good attorneys. couple died and went to heaven before they were able to get married and they told the Lord, they said, Lord, we, we got to experience everything on earth except marriage, and we would like to get married. He said, well, okay, but we, let's 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 wait a little while. Month after month after month. Finally, about eight months later, Peter came and said, okay, God, this time. They brought them before a minister, and he married them. Man, they rocked along happily for a couple of hundred years, and finally they came and they said, Lord, we just, we can't do this anymore. We want a divorce. Is that a divorce? He said, yeah, we just, we we just we decided this, this thing is not all it cracked up to be. We just, we don't want to be married anymore. The Lord shook his head. He said, it took us eight months to get a preacher here. How long do you think it'll take to get a lawyer? <laughs> Woo, did you hear about the two guys that broke out of jail this week? There was one guy, he was like seven foot tall. One guy was like four foot tall. They said they were looking high and low for him. <laughs> do, do we need to get, to, should we start preaching? We probably need to. I can tell jokes all day. One more. Did you hear about the, the guys that broke out of the AT&T prison? The sale, their cell didn't have any bars. Y'all will get, so you'll get that on your way home. It won't be long. It'll be deer season. and One morning, Brother Joe got up to go hunting. He walked in the kitchen, and Misty was all dressed in her camo. He said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going with you. Okay, he went out and got her in her stand and he was walking to his stand about that time. Boom, boom! He turned around walked back and heard Misty arguing with this guy. Saying, it's my dear, it's my deer!" He said, okay ma'am, you can have it. Just let me get my saddle off of it. <laughs> oh, we better start preaching. Today we're going to talk about lifting up the name of Jesus. There's no other name that we need to be lifting up except the name of Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, that's what we're going to talk about today. John chapter 12, the book of St. John chapter 12, and verse number 31 and 32. He said, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto myself. So many times we try to lift up all kind of things, drawing people. But the only thing that we as a church, we as individuals, we as Christians need to be lifting up is the name above all names, the name of Jesus. It's time that we not be ashamed, that we not be afraid, that we not be afraid to mention the name of Jesus. There's a lot of names being exalted and lifted up, and many lift up their own name. Oh, but I want to lift up the name of Jesus. No other name. Oh, what a sweet name, the name of Jesus. We whisper that name in prayer. And we know that he's as close as the mention of his name. Jesus. We want to talk today about Jesus. So many people in, in today, in this society, people say, well, all, all, all roads lead to God. The Hindus, the Buddhists, the Krishna's, the uh, the, the, the Muhammad, and the and Islam and Christian. All, it's all on this all roads lead to heaven. But Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. We don't need to be ashamed of the name of Jesus because it is the name whereby men must be saved. As we lift up the name of Jesus, we say, well, okay, Why can't we just make them all equal? Because of His origin. Because of His sinlessness. Because of His deity. Because of His death. And because of His resurrection. Of all the other gods, He's the only one, Amen, that men worship, that died and rose again. Every other God worship. You can go to a tomb, a grave, somewhere that they say this is where they are. But our grave, we've been there. We're going to go again. You can go in Israel. We go to that grave. I stood there and I looked where they balayed his body. It is an empty tomb. He's no longer risen. The angel said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is alive our savior is alive we want to lift jesus high what does that word lift mean in the greek it is hoopsol it means to elevate to lift up to draw attention to to make obvious to make visible Oh, listen, we've got to make Jesus obvious and visible in our life. Or does your life, the life you live, are you making Jesus visible in your life? What comes out of your mouth, what actions, how you treat people, are you lifting up Jesus or are you lifting up something else? Are you lifting up yourself? John said, I must decrease and he must increase increase all throughout the word of god the bible we see how that god elevated himself how he was elevated above all the other gods there's always been gods that they worship as you travel all around in india they've got hundreds if not thousands of gods when we were there they would change their idols periodically Making sacrifices, and you've got to be when you give an altar call. You have to differentiate that when you're coming to receive Christ, Amen. You are denying all other gods because they're ready; they're willing to add another god. But it's not another god; it's the only God. In Egypt, God, Amen, sent all the plagues. He sent Moses down there, and. Pharaoh called all his magicians and he threw down the rod and it became a snake. They threw down their rod and it became a snake. But Moses' snake ate their snake. One after one, God brought plagues. And he showed himself to be mighty. Whatever they did, God always did it better. Always did it bigger. Always did it on a grander scale. Within the Philistine camp, they served Dagon. And they brought the ark of God in there. And when they got up the next morning, their big statue of Dagon had fallen off of its uh, uh, pedestal before the ark of God. All through the word of God we see through Babylon. That through Isaiah, they taunted Bel-Mardok. In Ephesus, Artemis, and Diane... Amen, right there where all the people were worshiping. It was Paul that preached Jesus and did signs and wonders and miracles. I'm telling you, amen, there's not a God of stone. There's not a God made out of rock or wood, amen, that can save you, heal you, deliver you, that can walk with you through the fire, amen, it was God, amen, that when Daniel, amen, was in the lion's den and saved him. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace that the, the, the king looked and said, Did not we throw in three? I see four, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God walking in the fire. Our God is alive. Our God is willing and able to save, heal, and deliver, and He is above all God. In the book of Hebrews the writer uh, shows the, the superiority even of Christianity over Judaism. Amen with all their rules and regulation. Paul said he came to be a hope uh, based on a better promise because of a better sacrifice. Amen being to bring in a better covenant. Amen he's a better high priest and he's ensuring us a better resurrection. There is no other resurrection except by Jesus Christ. And he said the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is going to quicken you and I, and we too shall be changed. There's no other God that transforms lives, that delivers from habits and addictions like Jesus. Oh, we've got to under we got to begin to draw. Amen attention. We've got to begin to tell people how amen the difference in in our life and in, in the difference Christianity makes. It's just not another religion. Amen religion. Amen is not what'll save you. Amen Christ will save you. Jesus will save you. It's not religion. It's relationship. It was religion that killed him. It's not rules and regulations that's going to get you to heaven. It is in Jesus Christ. A Calcutta Indian, there was a story posted in the paper of a Hindu man that went to a missionary's house to do an interview. In the course of their conversation, he said, I see the the, the similarities, a lot of Christianity and Hinduism. But I see that there's one difference. Missionary interested in what what similarities and what differences the Hindu began to explain all the different ones he said but the striking difference Hinduism and Christianity Christianity has a savior you see of all the other religions there's no savior none of them came to die. All others won't sacrifice. And all over people are still throwing their children, their babies, are sacrificing human life to fire and to to this and to that. And God sent His Son so that you and I could live. He gave His life. He doesn't require sacrifice. He doesn't want your death. He wants your life. He is a true and living God. He is our Savior. There's no savior in Islam. There's no savior in Hinduism. There's no savior in Confucianism. There's no savior in Buddhism. Amen. Of all of those. I like the song that says, Of all the gods being worshipped, there's a difference you can tell. He's the only one that gave His Son. He's the God that cannot fail. Amen? Amen. You see, we, 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 we can't water down Jesus. You know what happens when you water down gasoline? It no longer becomes explosive. It no longer runs your car. The other day I put some gas in the mower. Marcelo started mowing and all of a sudden it just started spitting and sputtering and it would die. We'd start it back up and it would die. It, we did everything we could and finally we just drained all the gas out of it and got another can and put it in it. And it fired right up. I don't know what happened. Somehow we got some water or something. But just a little bit. When you water down the truth, just a little bit. The little boy came in and he had mud on his hands. And his mama said, aren't you going to wash your hand? He said, no, I'll just wipe it off with the other one. You see, that just makes two dirty hands. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, His blood... When we water it down, when we try to water down uh, uh, the painkillers, it no longer takes the pain away. It just becomes a placebo. When we begin to take out the key ingredients of our product, amen, when we begin to, they lose their primary focus, their function. Listen, stop trying to water it down. Just lift him up. We can't help it. Sure, some will be offended. Sure, some won't like it. But those who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved saved. We don't water it down. Christianity won't work without the key ingredient. Jesus. Let's not be ashamed. Let's not be ashamed of the cross. The cross. Can you imagine? Galatians 6.14, Paul said, God forbid that I should glory or boast Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He he didn't say you gloried in the death. He said he glorified in the cross. Listen, there's power in the cross. Amen. That place of death, that place of crucifixion, that place, amen, the world doesn't like the cross, the unbeliever doesn't like the cross, because it makes them have to identify some things, the cross, amen, Paul said in 1 Corinthians one twenty three is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, amen, there are still many that don't understand what happened at the cross. That word foolish, the same Greek word in English that we get our word moron. The world thinks that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and a cross are morons. said it's foolishness to them. But for those who have experienced it, To them, it's life. To them, it's been transforming. Amen, when you understand the power and what happened at the cross, it was more, amen, than just a symbol. Can you imagine uh, wearing a, a, a miniature electric chair around your neck or a hangman's noose? But when you wear a cross, you're wearing an emblem of crucifixion, of a painful death but it's the emblem for us that we see freedom and hope and we know that what happened on that cross amen was punishment on a sinless savior that came became sin for us I owed a debt I couldn't pay and he paid a debt he didn't owe and because he paid the debt on the cross I can be free the cross a very prominent family wanted to do a history of their family they wanted to have a genealogy they wanted to have a history but they told the biographer they said now we want you to know that we have a black sheep in the family how many has a black sheep in your family? Okay. those of you that didn't raise your hand it's because you are that black sheep, <laughs> they said, We just want you to know that Uncle George was executed in the electric chair, but we don't want that to be known in our family, we don't want our family to be known by that. And what can you do? He said, Oh, well, well listen, listen, I can handle that, I, I, I can write it in a way that'll bring no embarrassment. I will merely say that Uncle George occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution. He was attached to his position by the strongest ties, and his death came at a real shock. What if Paul... What if Paul had tried to hide and cloak the cross? What if we tried to hide the details? Listen, we're not trying to hide it. Amen, we're exalting it. We're lifting it up because Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, amen, he knew that just like in the wilderness, when all the snakes bit them, amen, Moses, he said, make a pole, put a stake on it, and when they look at it, they'll be saved. It was a type of Jesus being lifted up between heaven and earth. He became the sacrifice. And he said, everybody that looks at it will live. But there were many even then that refused to look at it and died. There's many today that will not acknowledge the cross, the death of Jesus, what he did for us. They make it of no use, no voice. Hey, there, there, there's denominations that are taking the songs out of the songbook about the blood It's too gross, it's too too horrific, we don't want to sing about all that, but I'm telling you, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. We can't be ashamed. People don't like the cross because it reminds them of their sin. Jesus hung on that cross and took all of mankind's sin upon them, and we realize that it was our sin that He died for. Romans tells us that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it says if you say that you haven't sinned, you make God a liar. We've all sinned. But in the latest poll, 80% of Americans think that their good works will get them to heaven. They they, they don't they don't they don't believe that lying and cheating and stealing and killing could possibly make them not go to heaven. I drove up to the dump this week, me and a guy that I was working with and we had a trailer full of junk and drove up and waited in line and got on the scales and the lady looked at me, I handed her the water bill cuz with the, in the city of Tyler with the water bill you get part of the your one one dump a month free. She took my water bill, she looked at my trailer and she said, "That's a 10-foot trailer." I said, "No, ma'am, it's it's 12-foot." She said, I can only you can only get a free dock, uh, I can only do ten, a ten foot trailer with, with this water beetle. She said, that's a ten foot trailer. I said, No, ma'am. It's twelve foot. She shook her head. She took my water bill. Took my license. She looked at it. And she looked back at me and said, Oh, I see. The Lord's house. It would have, have been easy to say, Yeah, it's 10 foot. But that's a lie. The Bible says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. You say that's no big deal. It's just a little thing. It's a lie. The Bible says, All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness. It would have been easy to say, Yeah, it's ten foot. And then she would have got it with the Lord's house. And then she would have looked at me and go, Ah, lying preacher. Instead, instead, she looked at it and went, "Oh, the Lord's house." And then she went, "Oh, check out my tattoo. She's got a scripture tattooed on her arm." And then she said, "Look what I just posted and handed to be her phone on Facebook, and it was a scripture about who we are in Christ." And we had a conversation with people waiting in line about our identity in Jesus. We wouldn't have had that conversation if I'd have said, "Yeah, it's ten foot," to save a few dollars. So, she said, "Is your truck in park?" I said, "No, ma'am." I, she said, "Put it in park." I put it in park. She walked outside and she crawled up on my trailer and she looked all in it. And she come back and she said, "You have that? You you have a cage on the front of your trailer?" I said, "Yes, ma'am. That's where all the stuff goes." She says, "There's no trash in there." So actually. There's only 10 foot of trash. I'm going to give it to you for free. Thank you. Thank you. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? Just stop lying. Stop lying. When I say, hey, where where were you last week? I missed you. Just tell me the truth. I was tired. I didn't want to come to church. I didn't want to hear you preach. Stop giving me all these excuses. Just tell the truth. People don't like the cross because it reminds them that they can't save themselves. The message of the cross simply is this message you must be born again. You must come to the cross and confess that you're a sinner. We have this attitude that I can pull my own self up. We have this, this ethic that I, I can su- succeed on my own efforts. And we, we don't want to admit that we're not in control. That I, I have control of my destiny. When we come to the cross, we come to a, a place to where we got to say, Lord, i got to give up control and I've got to submit myself to you. The cross... It's just too simple. Charles Charles Spurgeon said, one of the problems with the cross is just too simple. We like complicated things, the newest technology, intricate things. The cross is just too simplistic. What do you mean? I can just come to a place where someone died, confess my sins, and I'm forgiven. You mean my whole destiny can be changed from hell to heaven? cross doesn't recognize class distinctions. It's hard for people to understand that on the same road the rich and the poor travel. The rich man has to go through the same door as the poor man. And Jesus is that door. The wise man says how, how can... I be equal to the one that can't read or write. The rich says, how can I be on the same road and at the same level as the poor? There's no distinction. The cross puts us all at the same level. The moral person says, how can I be on the same road with the prostitute and the drunkard? But we all are equal at the cross, and we all require mercy, and we all require forgiveness. Equally, nothing that we do qualifies us to get to heaven. It's simply by what He did. Amen? was missionary, George Brown, that was asked to give proof, give us proof that there's transforming power of the cross. He gave his testimony of his missionary journey. He said, When I arrived in the Fiji Islands, my first duty was to bury the hands, arms, feet, and hearts of 80 victims whose bodies had been roasted and eaten at a cannibal feast. But through the gospel and through the cross, I live to see those very same cannibals that took part in that feast gather around the Lord's table and receive communion. It's the cross that transforms people's lives. Jesus just declared it. If I be lifted up. We do all kind of things, all kind of programs, all kind of stuff. Trying to feel the house and grow the church and grow the men. All we have to do is just lift up Jesus. And Jesus will draw men unto himself. Let's lift up a loving, saving, healing, delivering Savior. Let's don't water it down. His grace is sufficient. His mercy is new every morning. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? We've got to lift up, lastly, the love of Christ. There's, there, there, he has so many uniqueness. There's so many differences that we can, when people say, what's the difference? You can tell them the difference in all the other gods and the God we serve. We can point them to the cross of His death, his burial, but also His resurrection. Different than all the others. Without the resurrection, it'd be a different gospel. But we have the resurrection. We have a risen Savior that said, Now I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. Forever making intercession for you. And we've experienced the saving power of Jesus. Look where you used to be, but look where you are. Oh, I'm not what I want to be, but I'm sure not what I used to be. I've been saved by grace. And we've got to lift up the love of Jesus. I mean, Jesus demonstrated his love in so many ways when he was here. I mean, he he opened blind eyes. He opened deaf ears. I mean, he he, he preached to the poor. He said, I've come to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted. Did you know I I heard something this week? They said that in the brain, the part of the brain that experiences anxiety cannot experience anxiety and thankfulness at the same time. Maybe now we know why he said, in all things, give thanks. In every situation, give thanks. Because as you begin to thank God, As you begin to say thank you, Lord. As you begin to look at all the good stuff. As we sang this morning, all my life you've been faithful. You've been good. As we begin to look at his goodness and give him thanks, anxiety can't be there. It can't permeate your mind. Worry, fear, and unbelief cannot exist with faith. We believe and we put our trust in a loving God. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. When we go to the cross, when we confess our sins, when we lift up the name of Jesus as he was lifted up, suspended between heaven and earth, a sacrifice unto God. And as we look unto Him, the author and the finisher of our faith, we're lifting up His love. It's love. It was love that kept Him on the cross, not the nails. It was love that kept Him at the whipping post, taking every stripe until every sickness and disease was healed, that we can declare today by His stripes, I am healed. It was love that helped Him bear that crown of thorns to cover our fears and our worries and our anxieties. The the battles of our mind. He bore all the shame. He bore the pain because of love. Love for you. Love for the unlovable. You see, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us when we were unlovable, when we were unworthy, when we had nothing to offer and nothing to give. There's nothing that we could do. But now, we try to add stuff to it and do stuff, and if I do this, and if I keep this rule, and if I do this law, whatever, I, he said, no, 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 no. It's by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast." We're a proud people. We like to boast of our accomplishments and we boast in this and that and all kind of things. But he said we could, Paul said, I only want to boast in one thing and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. Because there, a man laid down his life. There's no greater love than this that you lay down your life for a friend. It was August the 16th, 1987, that Northwest Airlines Flight 225 crashed just after taking off from the Detroit airport. It killed 155 people with only one survivor. A little four-year-old girl from Tempe, Arizona named Cecilia. The accounts of the rescuer said that when they found Cecilia, they didn't even believe that she was on the plane. She thought she was one that maybe was in a car when it had crashed into vehicles and all of everything on the road where it crashed. But when they checked the register, she was one listed on that flight. Through investigation, it was found out that her mother, Paula Chicken, Chicken C H I C A N. She can on the descent unbuckled her seatbelt knelt in front of that child's seat wrapped her arms and hovered her body over that child sacrificing her life greater love hath no man than this that he lay down his life You see, we we shouldn't survive. We shouldn't make it through this world. We shouldn't get to go to heaven. But we have a Savior who left the portals of glory, left the streets of gold, and left the splendors of heaven to come to a sin-filled world, to wrap His arms around us, to protect us and keep us and love us and forgive us and heal us so that we can survive. Why are we ashamed to speak that name? Why are we ashamed to lift up the name of Jesus? Why are we ashamed to bow our head in prayer over a meal in public? Why are we ashamed to post a scripture or post something? Because we don't want to offend. To many it'll be offense. But for many that call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Don't water it down stop being ashamed. Jesus said, don't worry about those that can kill your body. Worry about those that have the power to send your soul to hell. It's time that we accept Him as Lord and Savior. It's time that we let Him in. I think it was King Edward Seventh, I believe, and his wife Elizabeth. I think that was her name at that time. Yeah, yeah. King and Queen were They went out, they was in the countryside, they went for a walk. True story. Most of my stories are true unless I tell you otherwise. Like the story of Joe and Misty, that wasn't true. As they were walking through the countryside, the queen twisted her ankle. Being unable to get back to their car where they were, they made their way up to a house of a farmer. It was after dusk and the farmer went to bed early and they knocked on the door. King Edward said, This is your king. Let me in. The man woke from sleep and said, Stop making a mockery. Leave me alone. The king continued to knock. This is your king. Let me in. Finally, the man angrily I'll show him what it's like to lie to me. And he threw open the door to find the king and the queen standing before him. He apologized profusely and invited them in and sent for help for the queen. It was re- reported as he grew older and was no longer able to work. He loved sitting on his porch in his rocking chair and everybody that came to visit, he would tell them the story about the king and queen visiting his house and he always finished his story by saying this. And to think, I almost didn't let him in. I wonder how many people almost Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in. Fellowship with him. How many will say, I wish. Every single person in hell is saying, I wish. I wish I had to open the door. I wish. I would have answered the knock But for so many reasons Many don't believe it's really the king Many don't have time Many say The devil's favorite lie I've got time I'll answer later But we're not promised tomorrow Today is the day of salvation One church member of a congregation asked his pastor, said, Pastor, would you preach on Matthew 18.3? Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. He agreed and began to study that scripture. And he started with, what is conversion? It must be a complete change of the heart. A translation from one life to another. He asked the question, how was I converted? And he said, well, I don't know. I don't really remember that happening. When was I converted? As a child, as a teenager, as an adult? I don't remember. Where was I converted? Was it at home? Was it at church? Was it? I don't remember. And the pastor came to the conclusion. I haven't been converted. I preach to others. Yet I haven't experienced it myself. He fell to his knees. Jesus Christ to come into his life, saving, him, forgiving, him, and he was converted. It was Nicodemus that came to Jesus and said, What must I do to be saved? Jesus said, You must be born again. You're born once naturally. You've got to be born spiritually. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come to the cross. Today, I want to lift Jesus high in this. I want to lift Jesus high in my life. I don't want to be ashamed. We're living in a time to where culture dictates. You've got to be tolerant of everything and everybody and you can't say anything. We cannot be ashamed of Jesus. We cannot be ashamed to say Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus is Lord. Have you made that declaration? Have you made that commitment? Is your life, do you live a life that exemplifies and exalts Jesus? Or are you just living in the shadows? Are you incognito? Are you an undercover Christian? I don't want to be an undercover Christian. I want to be a public. Because he said, if you will acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. I tell you, I want to stand before God and have Jesus say, He's one of mine. He acknowledged me on earth and I acknowledge Him before you. What does your life say about Jesus today? What does your heart say about Jesus today? What are you going through? What's happening in your life? Listen, we have an old sinful nature. We can modify you can't change. People say, I I, I just want to straighten myself out. I'll go to church once I get myself straightened out. You can't straighten yourself out. The only way, one day when they bring you in in a coffin, that's when you'll be straightened out. But the cross can change you. A lion tamer trainer decided that he would try to change the nature of some young cubs, and he only gave them milk. They never tasted meat. They never tasted blood. They just were fed milk. Until one day, the trainer's wife yelled for him to come, and they looked out the window as these young lions were crouched down, stalking donkey in their field another family pet and they watched as they pounced sunk their teeth into his juggler and just did what came natural you see you can say well I'm gonna I modify my behavior I'll I'll stop doing that I, I'll quit this addiction I'll do all this thing but I'm telling you when you try to just do things in your own power, sooner or later, that old nature will come out. And you'll say and dupes. It's amazing me how people say, I just can't believe they did that. Center sin, sin. Dogs bark, cats meow, cows move, ducks quack. Center sin. Or sin. And we all have a sin nature. Don't ever say, well, I'll never. You'll do it for you getting your car in the parking lot. You say, well, I never did that, but you thought it. Mm. But the cross, Jesus, doesn't modify. He changes my old nature into his nature. I want to become. That's why I'm called a Christian. I want to be Christ-like. We have a lot of flesh. And we have to constantly die daily. Paul said, I die daily. I crucify my flesh. Lift Jesus higher. What's the song say? Lift Jesus higher. Lift Jesus higher. Lift Him up for the world to see. He said, if I... Be lifted up from the earth. I would draw all men unto me. Father, today we lift up the name above all names, Jesus. I've lifted Jesus high in this house. Help me to lift Jesus high tomorrow on my job. Help me to lift Jesus high in the workplace. Lift Jesus high at Walmart Lift Jesus high when I'm out with friends. Lift Jesus high. Let my life be an example of Jesus. Let me not be ashamed. Let me not be afraid to declare the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to see people drawn to you. I want to see this house filled and drawn with people seeking a Savior. Needing healing and deliverance and peace and Power and love and grace I want to see them transformed by the cross but if we water it down if we hide it if we don't lift it up then people can't see we can't help the ones that won't look let us just keep lifting Jesus high for there are those in the darkness that need to see the light there's those that are lost that need to be found There's those hurting that needs to be healed. Those bound that need to be set free. There's blind eyes to be opened, deaf ears to be unstopped. There's those in graves that need to be raised to life again. And it can only be done through Jesus. So today, we lift Him high. We magnify and exalt the name of Jesus. We celebrate our Savior and our Lord. And we declare and make a commitment today. I won't be ashamed. I'll let my life shine. I'm not going to hide my light under a bushel, under a basket. I'm not going to be an undercover agent for Christ. I'm going to be bold. Holy Spirit, come and empower us and Give us power to be your witnesses. Give us boldness to declare Jesus. And today, if there's one that hears that knock on their heart's door, let them not leave this place having not answered that knock. Let not one person watching online that hears that knock and feels that nudge of the Holy Spirit, turn away and say no. But today let us all say yes to Jesus. Let us open the door and welcome Him in. Invite Him to come in and fellowship with us. Let us lift up Jesus. His heads are bowed and eyes closed all over this building. If you're watching me today at home in a hospital room in a jail cell, I'm here to tell you today Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. He's coming back to get you. He wants you to spend eternity in heaven with Him. He doesn't want to say, depart from me, I never knew you. He wants to say, enter in my good and faithful servant. But you have to open the door and invite Him to come in. Today, if He's knocking on your heart and you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you pray with me? Everybody in the building say, Dear Lord Jesus, I hear the knock. I open the door. Today, I'm no longer ashamed. I declare that you are the way, the truth, and the life. You died on the cross for me, but you rose again. You're alive. Today I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I confess my sin And I ask Jesus to forgive me, come into my life, make me a new creation. Today, I'm bold to declare I am a child of God, saved, forgiven, healed, and delivered. I'll let my light shine for Jesus wherever I go. Thank you. Father, I just pray today every person that made that public declaration. Right now it's just a personal inward declaration. But Lord, I pray that they would confess publicly. They would begin to testify. They would begin to tell friends and relatives and loved ones. And they would follow you and be baptized and confess to the world. I'm a believer. I believe in what Jesus did on the cross. And I confess him as Lord and Savior. And I'm going to let my light shine. I pray what you've done inside. Let us begin to see fruits on the outside. Today let them feel and sense and know a difference that they were in darkness, but now they're in light. I pray that you would wrap your arms of love and comfort and strength around them. Change them. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give Jesus a big hand clap.